the source of capital is. Well, is overlooking this, the, these roles as has been exemplified by Philippian and therefore misses the point. Is that, is that what you suggest? Um, um, you see, he is in the middle because he wasn't the first one who asked the question. But he does accept that there is a seeming contradiction or called paradox. And he's looking for an answer. And I don't think he claims that he has found the answer. He just kind of wants to keep the question alive because he feels that there's something important hidden there which hasn't been found yet. That's my reading of, of him. He doesn't make any, any strong claims. He may be thinks, thinking about adding it just a little bit, but not the final disposal of the question. I know him in person. He's a very modest man. And, uh, and uh, he's not known for <laughs> overstating the case. Now, perhaps <laughs> I am overstating the case because I claim that my answer is, so, is this posing of the question for once and all. Because, and I think that we just didn't have enough time. So I want to give ourselves enough time. Let's see that what I am suggesting here, that breaking down the operation into these three parts, okay? The entrepreneurial parts, because this is the guy who is taking the initiative. Oh, yes. I want to make sure I understand. Well, just want to finish your point, but then I have a question to make sure I understand the distinction between direct and indirect in the case of interest. But I didn't mean to interrupt. Okay. I'll do it, do it uh, after the comments. What, what, sorry, what did you want to clarification? So, I think I understand um, direct, in this case, uh, hoarding and disordering, right? So, every week, the, the wage earner buys a little bit of silver, <coughs> and then when he gets old, then he disorders the silver. Mm. And obviously, the disadvantage of that is disordering is a finite amount. And then when he runs out, he runs out before he's dead, then he's out of money, and, and that's the problem. Um, in the case of indirect, he is lending the silver, for which he has paid, repaid the principal, as well as the interest. And so there's never, as long as he's living only on the interest, there's never a finite point where he runs out of money. He becomes wealthier and wealthier and wealthier over time. I just want to make sure I understand what is meant by indirect, is that you're talking about lending and, and repayment, and that's indirect because someone else is, in fact, not disordering the silver, but using the silver to uh, increase productivity. Is that the distinction? The important thing is the presence or absence of exchange. Now, one person can do the indirect, I'm sorry, the direct conversion. Just one person. Because hoarding and discording does, care, does take care of the problem. But that's not the optimal way of conversion. 
the optimal way can be achieved if you bring in another person and if you are if you have a deficit of income surplus of wealth you find an opposite number the inverted uh, situation and then the exchange is ready now I, I think that's a clear-cut distinction, isn't it? In this case, when exchange takes place, we are talking about an indirect conversion, which needs two people. But it can be done even if the government and the churches and everybody else introduces a ban on exchanges as they did the usury laws and so on and so forth the entrepreneur is not at the end of his ropes because he can fall back to the direct exchange hoarding and dishoarding the, the main disadvantage of that in comparison with the indirect exchange is that it takes longer. Now suppose you are mentally ready to go into business, but you, are, you have a deficit of wealth. And therefore, you are looking for somebody who would make this exchange with you, and you don't find him, or you couldn't agree on the terms. For some reason, the deal falls through. Then you have to fall back to direct conversion. And that, that means you start saving bit by bit, payday by payday, say silver, and build up a fund, which will be your capital, but it has to be big enough, and this may take years, to convert it into capital and go into business for you, for yourself. Okay. Now the disadvantage is that this is lost time. You have the talent already to be a good businessman, a good entrepreneur. But no, you have to work for wages because you have to do the hoarding and then the dishoarding. And this is a loss not just to you in person but to society as a whole. This is what the usury laws missed, that the entrepreneur and the capitalist is a wonderful combination and it's beneficial not only for the two of them individually, but to the whole society. Why? Because it shrinks that period of time which is necessary for 
a young man to become his own boss. Now, if this takes 10 years, that's a loss for society. But it can be done, well, not instantaneously, that's perhaps too much to say, but cut it down to one year. You, you become an apprentice, and there are words for that journeyman, and, and whatever stages, and then you become a fully fleshed. But you still need capital. And if the artificial laws and social limitations prevent you to find, to make that exchange with somebody, then you fall back to hoarding. This happened. There are all kinds of stories, uh, you know, about the shoe shine boy who started uh, doing shining shoes in front of a department store and he saved the silver dimes and ultimately bought uh, the department store and became the owner. He was just an outsider, you know, shining shoes. Or the paper boy was delivering newspapers to the different addresses and really getting fraction of a dime for each paper delivered, but when he had enough, he put it aside and so on, and ultimately he had enough to buy the newspaper. He was the owner of the newspaper, which he was delivering as a young boy. So that's uh, an example how direct conversion still survived to our own days because this is what you can call original accumulation of capital. I mean, the young boy, nobody would lend him money to buy a business, but he was ambitious enough wanted to have an early start. And from a newspaper boy, paper boy, became the owner of newspaper. There are, there are many examples of that. Uh, uh, by the way, by the way, as an example of Warren Buffett, and uh, if you are not familiar with his name, he is considered the, uh, the greatest investor of our age or all time, I don't know. Not anymore. <laughs> no, 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 okay, I agree with you. But let me tell you, he's exactly my age, and uh, so his father was a congressman in Washington, D.C., a very good congressman, certainly a gold standard advocate. He, some, he introduced the gold standard bill in every Congress of which he was member. And these, this was always the good type of uh, gold standard, which called for gold coin circulation, as opposed to the gold exchange standard where paper circulates back, backed by gold, but that's not the same thing. So there he was.
and uh, you know, young young uh, Howard. No, Howard was the father, and I'm talking of Warren, the son. He was uh, in say 1950. It was the time when his father was. They are from Nebraska, Omaha, and uh, but they had to move to New to Washington, and uh, Warren uh, was a paper boy, was delivering the newspaper. Well, he didn't become a newspaper king, because that wasn't his ambition, but uh, they had, there was some family business, I'm not saying that they were penniless, but uh, that was a very modest local business in Omaha, and uh, uh, what he did is he, when he had enough savings out of his own earnings, delivering newspapers, he made clever investments. And, I mean, he is still one of the wealthiest people uh, in the United States, and that's more or less his own business ingenuity. He's just built up that huge wealth. So I thought these were interesting examples. Do you agree that also in this case we can see that, that um, the most important part is the manager part, and the most important part is the knowledge of how to make money? Because without this part, capital and entrepreneurship is just wasting time and money. If they are not doing the right thing in the right way, would you agree with this? Do you do you agree that the manager is the uh, most the manager? Yeah, the most important. No, I, no. no. entrepreneur. There's no question. Mm. What is the definition of entrepreneur? Uh, the young man. He's the one that says, "I want to buy that tree." Yeah, because right. I have an idea of making apple juice or something. Yes, but does, does he have uh, the knowledge? Because he can go and ask for money. The capitalist gives him money, and then he's full of energy, he's young, he's planting the tree in the shadow. And after three weeks, mm. the tree will die. Mm. So the capitalist will lose money. This young, energetic guy will lose a lot of time and energy mm. because there was no manager. Well, sure, sure. I mean, you know, you're not you're not going to establish an airline and then not hire any pilots. You know, Rudy. Sorry, Rudy. Rudy. I'm an entrepreneur. I'm responsible. It's my call. Who to hire? Who to get the money from? And if I go to that capitalist and I don't show him a good business plan that says, "Here's how I'm going to make money," it's not going to happen. And don't forget, if the company loses, I'm the first one to take a hit. But if the company makes real good profits, I get the benefits. So I'm taking the risk. That's the entrepreneur. If I don't, I'm not the entrepreneur. So the entrepreneur is someone including the manager? No, he knows how to hire a manager. He could be a manager himself. I could be a manager, but I don't want to know. I know how to do the apple tree, and I keep an eye on my manager to make sure he manages my apple tree the way I want it managed. And if you don't do a good job, manager, somebody else will do the job. The manager is the central question to the entrepreneur.
questions. Well, let me just insert one thing here. Having done this, the entrepreneur has to have enough knowledge of things not to, uh, to plant the tree in shape. Yeah. If, if the entrepreneur is that dumb, he's going to lose his money no matter who he hires because he won't even be able to hire a manager. Because you know, there's two managers in the room for the job. One's going to say, oh, you're so smart, oh, you're so smart. And the other one's going to say, don't plant it over there. If you don't rip it out right now and put it in the sun, it's going to die. And if the entrepreneur doesn't understand the distinction, he's going to hire the guy who's testing up rather than... The entrepreneur has to understand enough of how things work and make rational decisions, but not necessarily to be an expert in, in spraying the body from pesticides to five different insects. Not necessarily an expert in how to prune the tree what we I think the role of the entrepreneur is to predict, like he's predicting what the demand for apples is going to be five or ten years from now, so he might not know how to grow apples, but that's, that's his job. My point is just that the line between, between manager and entrepreneur is not a clear cut, so I don't really understand who is the manager for ending and where is the manager for ending and where is Well, it's not a dark, it's not a cut. There's an overlap. These are three general areas, and like the professor was saying, it could be one person. But those three roles, the manager is the day-to-day -day manager. And like Keith says, when I hire a lathe operator, I don't have to be an expert lathe operator, but I have to enough about the lathe to see that this guy knows how to run it, and that guy is not. So I hire this guy, and then I let him run it. Peter, Peter, manager has to do the day-to-day -day stuff, and he's closest to the running of the business. But he's not the one making the big decisions, like how many apple trees to buy. In a way, well, you know. That's the definition. The has the idea, and, but what I, I disagree with what has been said there about knowledge. Knowledge has to be everywhere. Mm -hmm. you know, um, if you have a weak, I would say, if you have a weak manager or if you have a weak, not a good capitalist, mm -hmm. uh, if anything, because even if you have the best entrepreneur, they might not be as successful. I mean, the long has to choose the entrepreneur, where is he going to put his money? define anything without the each individual part. So yes, the entrepreneur is important, but nothing exists without all, all three. You know, the full complements, yeah. Well, it's division of labor. Yeah. Okay. Uh, what was Peter? Peter, uh, Peter, please make your point. 
Well, um, I'm running a bit ahead of um, schedule. Um, if I can borrow the pen, yes. Clarify. Thank you. Now, I'm running ahead, as I said, but um, in a few days, we'll. I'm going to introduce the hexagonal model. At the moment, I'll start with the square model. And we have already seen from this discussion what the different roles are. Here we have an axis of, let's say, just time. Time progressing in the sense of um, the arrow. And we have here the annuitant as you uh, define it, which is a person at the beginning of his career, and here we have the annuitant with a T, which is the older person. Now, to make it a bit more abstract, but in fact summarizing um, the discussion and the position, this person is long income and short wealth. This person is long wealth and he's short of income. Here we have what the professor calls the inventor. It's an, an abstract name. You make also put that into the category of the manager. And here we have the entrepreneur. And so we come to a square model. But this, these roles are in fact best described by saying, okay, this inventor, manager, he is short of income and he is long future wealth and the entrepreneur is short um, future wealth and I think it's long income? Long uh, no, no, I'm sorry. He's, yeah, he's short income also and he's long um, future wealth. He's got future wealth. Now, of course the capitalist is just a role. We can say this is the capitalist, but later on We'll put an, an, an in-between there with the capitalist and then we have a pentagonal model and in comes the investment broker, I'm just running a bit ahead here, or the merchant, the merchant banker and he deals then with all the other five corners. But you could, you could describe these roles in terms of long and short income, wealth, present wealth, uh, sorry, present um, Wealth and future wealth. You see, you could, you could divide them a little bit like that. It makes it more abstract. I'll give a presentation in a few sessions uh, about that, making it a lot more visual. And I think the manager belongs there. Now, obviously... Maybe the, the role of the manager was not clear for me. <laughs> for me, it's as a, I think there's a Chinese saying that if you won't have... Um, Hungry man, you can just give him fish. But if you really want, if you really love this man, teach him how to fish. And 
adding faster than you are not risking is always knowledge because you can hear it and you will not get less less this thing thinks there are necessary conditions and all every single one of them is insufficient. Intangible capital, tangible capital. And the third is credit. Obviously, the intangible capital is knowledge, know-how. Tangible capital, you need physical money. And of course, the credit, you also need. No credit means zero interest, which we'll see here. And then with zero interest, there is no incentive for him to give this person credit. Because he can just as well discord. Now, if he discords at the rate of 1% or half a percent, he needs to, I mean, this person needs to offer him more than at what rate he can discord. So he needs to be above that person's discording rate, above 1% or half a percent, in order to give him the incentive. Right? And, and that's when you start going from zero to above zero. No credit means zero interest. Okay. okay Can we uh, move on? Okay. Um, I realize that it's time, but I, I cannot cut it off at this point because this is very important. I want to see the feedback. <clears throat> so the summary of all this is that there is always, in every business enterprise, there is always somewhere an exchange of, or say, conversion between income and wealth. It may not be obvious. You may have to dig for it to find. But it's absolutely important that in a complex situation as well as in a very simple situation where it's a one-man business enterprise, that you identify this. And you break down the process of production into three departments. Uh, I yesterday introduced the word bondholding department. Some uh, enterprises call it the treasury or treasurer of the business. And then the entrepreneurial department and the managerial department. And it's important to see these three parts of the enterprise. Whether it's a one-man operation or it's a very complex uh, industrial enterprise, it's, it, this is at least that much please take with you because that's the important message. So butt in with your questions. So I boil down this whole uh, problem, which you could call the paradox of interest, to the principle of triple entry revenue accounting. It's four words. Perhaps you can invent a shorter. But I like this because it comes uh, 
connotes or connotates with the double entry bookkeeping, which has been around for hundreds of years. You see. And, and uh, now I'm going to read how I would state it, but please, even while I'm reading, interrupt with your questions. It's very important that you should understand. It's in italics, at the bottom of this page, and there's a caption, triple entry revenue accounting. Have you found it? Okay, I'm going to read the <clears throat> principle, and please interrupt. I'm asking you because this is the whole point of uh, that chapter, which I think is very important. The principle of triple entry revenue accounting states that the capitalist who buys and successfully manages his own capital goods will carry three accounts. So we assume this is a one-man operation. Uh, carry three accounts in order to distribute the total net revenue always after depreciation of his enterprise, namely in order of seniority, moving from the senior to the junior, one interest account. Number two, managerial compensation account. And number three, the entrepreneurial profit account. Whereas insufficient revenues affect the junior before affecting the senior accounts, all surpluses accrue to the junior the profit account, which is the entrepreneurial account. So this is what 